Hello everybody and welcome back to some interseason goodness from the sequelizers. I'm your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Don't believe in fairy tales or sermons or stories about money, baby sister, but thanks for the cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Excellently done, sir. Excellently done. (laughs) Thank you. And joining Matthew and I, as always, it's Tim Matum. My daddy is coming home on July 14th. My birthday is July 14th. I'm going to see my daddy for the first time ever on July 14th. (laughs) Wow. So uh, this episode is about the American South and uh, (laughs) exploration of that through cinema and and storytelling. So... uh, Buckle up, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, we do have a very interesting episode for you, but it's not about the American South. And I'll tell you what it is about after we say thanks to our lovely patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers. You can go there, you can get ad-free episodes, you can get bonus exclusive episodes, you can get early access to episodes, you get exclusive merch, you get discounts on merch, you get to vote on episodes, and sometimes you can even pick your own episode, whether that's into season or in the main season of the sequelizers or indeed the prequelizers. It's all a barrel of laughs on patreon.com slash sequelizers. If you go to the highest of the tiers, you can become an executive producer, just like these fine people did, to get a shout out on the show. Mike Salvia. Why would you bring that disgusting thing here? It's getting juices in our water supply. Michael Belcher. I don't want to be somebody's crush. I want people to like the real me. Josh Miles. Number 17 cherry tree line, you say? All right, come on with me. Jonathan Firth-Clark. You would like to buy a am burger. No, 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 let's break it down. Josh van der Sluis. Make your depth 250 meters. Turbines slow ahead together. Xenos. Rip everything they've built from the ground. Wipe clean this world. And we will lead those that survive into a better one. And Andy Steen. I don't know, I've nothing to do with these things, young doctor lady, make it die. Thank you for your support, gentlemen. We very much appreciate you and all of the lovely patrons over on our Patreon page. If you'd like to come join us, you can find the links on our website, on our Twitter, all that good stuff. It's nice and easy to find it. If you would like to get a shout out, if you'd like to get all the cool, exclusive bonus stuff we've done for our lovely patrons. And with the intros out of the way, it's time we talk about accents. And this is the one I've been wringing my hands waiting to talk about because, I don't know if you know, listeners, I'm a big old nerd about stuff. And one of the things I'm a big old nerd about is accents and linguistics and enunciation and pronunciation and all that kind of stuff. I am a bit obsessed with voice acting and different dialects and different actors learning about all this different stuff. 
and we're going to tackle it from a variety of different directions. I I wonder if it's uh, uh I remember hearing when I was in high school that people who were good at uh who were talented at music were good at lan- learning foreign languages. Mm. Um and I wonder if, if there is a connection there because obviously Jack you're a very musical person um and you have a a great passion for accents and linguistics i am completely tone deaf and <laughs> and i like if you told me that don Cheadle's accent in oceans 11 was spot on i'd probably go oh okay fair enough wow um, i i cannot do accents cannot identify when they're being done well so this is going to be wow. an interesting episode for me yeah <laughs> that is very interesting because i i couldn't be more opposite <laughs> Yeah. Um, the very obvious ones I can tell, but Don Cheadle isn't an obvious one. <laughs> That's my prime example of a bad accent done in film. I mean, it's broadly in the ballpark. It's it's better than uh, it ain't. Better... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's better than uh, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the lowest of low bars, Tim. But sure. <laughs> well, let, let, let's talk about this for a second, because it's a podcast, that's what we fucking do. Um, accents <laughs> are a weird and thoroughly incidental thing. There should be a handed down accent. The idea what you're surrounded by is what you sound like, in theory, except that's not how the body works. Tim, Jack and myself, our larynx, our vocal cords, our esophagus, our throat, different sizes, different shapes. That's why we have different sounding voices, obviously. But we grew up in different parts of the country at different times. Prime example, Jack is from Norwich, or Norfolk specifically. Is that correct? Norfolk or Norwich, would you say is accurate? Uh, Yep. I was born in Norwich, but grew up in Norfolk. So yeah, I'm not offended either way. So the key point there is some people who are from Norwich say, I don't have a Norfolk accent, I have a Norwich accent. I'm like, motherfucker, it all sounds like the West Country. Even though I've now (laughs) lived here long enough to hear the difference between the two. I can't impersonate exceptionally well, but I can hear it. And the same thing when I was growing up as a kid learning French or German or whatever, you think, oh, I can speak French or German now. It's like, yes, but I can hear English accents. Like, no, you can't, because I'm speaking German. It's like, (laughs) yeah, with an English fucking accent. It's like, I can't. I'm doing what you're doing. No, you're not. And what's more, I can now, as I get older and older, hear more German accents. I can hear more Irish accents. The, the more your ear trains it to it. But the weird thing is that we expect, like, oh, you're from London. You will sound like this. Like, you're from like the east end of London. That's how they all sound. It's like, first of all, no. Depends mm-hmm. on the time period. Depends on where, which part of London. Which depends on... Um, who you hang out with, what um, arts and things you absorb, all that stuff. There are so many factors. And also, shit changes as you get older. The older you get an impersonation or a, or, or a, a recording of someone's voice at a younger age and an older age could be two thoroughly different people. Prime example, Al fucking Pacino. Mm. Al Pacino in his young years in The Godfather, it's a very high voice, quite nasally. Um, but then he gets older and goes deeper and all that dude, hoo that kind of bullshit we come to associate with him. And they're both kind of cartoony in a way. But if you just say, oh, he's, you know, this New York Italian guy, and you're like, oh, I can, I can do that. It's like, no, you can't. In the same way that Pacino and De Niro do not sound the same as Scorsese. All three of those people come from a similar background, but have different voices, accents, and all that sort of stuff. It's a really 
tough thing. And so when you translate that to a movie and a performance and the idea that I'm going to impersonate this, it's like, okay. And you do that impression. Someone says, that sounds fucking stupid. Like, um, let's say like, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Blood Diamond doing Afrikaans or sort of South mm. African accent. It's like, it sounds ridiculous. It's like, but then you, he introduces you to like, you know, his, te- his dialect coach who's talking the exact same way. You go, oh, oh, okay. It's, it does work then. It's real. It just, I didn't expect it to come from your face. And that's where it gets amazingly difficult. You have people like Charlie Hunnam and Christian Bale, oh, who despite, yeah, yeah. <laughs> despite where they're from, their accent is nothing now. It's just this, this murky, bog of difference christian bale is welsh ladies and gentlemen <laughs> which again conjures a welsh voice in your mind a lot of deep tones and you think resonance of, do you think like, of tom jones or chris or um rob bryden or mm. ruth jones or any of the joneses you don't think of, <laughs> you don't think of christian yeah. bale yeah and that's that's the kind of thing you, and obviously over the years it's what your voice fragments into what you need what you sound but equally if you grow up in a household with people of a certain accent, sometimes you mimic and, and uh, absorb some of that. Unlike in in like classic Hollywood and in LA in like the forties and fifties and thirties, even you'd have um, you know famous old Universal actors, uh, Claude Rains. Mm. Claude Rains, very deep English accent, talks like this, very theatrical. Ah yes, ah you fools. His daughter just has a regular Hollywood, California, American accent. It's very funny. My father would tell me, it's like, Jesus Christ. Did, did... So obviously it was like, you know, does she get like even in words or language or bits or pieces picked up from her? And it's, it's, it's fascinating. But when you translate it to a performance, it's damning. Yeah, it can be even quicker than that. I know some people who, uh, when I lived in America for a short while, people uh... who I lived with who were there for even shorter than I was started picking up the American accent in their voice subconsciously and started having bits bleed into how they spoke mm-hmm. just because their ears were attuned to it. And they they were like, yeah, wherever I'm a different place, like I will start picking up the accent almost like unconsciously um, and it doesn't take long at all. And I, I was like, but it's your voice. Why <laughs> are you letting it change? And, and that's the fascinating thing because I remember uh, in the States, um, uh, a friend's father he was english but he'd have to stop himself every now and again and say uh yeah so i'm i'm going to make sure that there's some free parking parking Park, parking parking Park, you get that parking. that's R great yeah. In there. Like, yeah but then he's like that's correct and carry on I'm like no motherfucker it's parking you did it wrong <laughs> it's parking mate we're talking about yeah. and the thing is when you when you get into a situation whether you're angry whether you're elated whether you're stressed your voice cracks changes and also more importantly you lean into your accent you hide it at times and you're talking to people um and you lean into other times um it, it, it depending on who you want to be and who you're around the classic is always when you're around your family i was that was the example i was yeah. about to give yeah exactly my dad is in a really weird situation so he grew up cockney he grew up in in hack he was born in hackney like proper east london boy mm. um and I remember him being very Cockney growing up because I was surrounded by people speaking with a Norfolk accent. But he has lived in Norfolk almost twice as long as he lived in London. So he's adopted this weird, almost Charlie Hunnam, Christian Bale style hybrid accent thing <laughs> where like sometimes he's really Norfolk and he'll go fucking hell or 
that car has wheels. And we're like, wheels? What the hell was it? Oh, a wheel, right? Yeah. Will <laughs> and wheel are the same word to my dad. Or ball and bull is the same word to my dad, the way he's still got little twinges of the Cockney accent in the background. But he sounds quite Norfolk a lot of the time. And he says, dunt and Tuesday and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And when he went to see like his his sister who is proper fucking cockney and never left east london mm. she was like oh you sound like you're from norfolk that's really yeah, weird and yeah. he was like oh god yeah i do i've now got essentially the norfolk accent compared to all my london family who never left london and then all the norfolk people like the mates down the local pub as you can imagine in the middle of nowhere in the english countryside are all very strong accented people and they're like, God, Tony, that's my dad's name. Tony, you sound like you're from London. And they're like, <laughs> he can't win. He's like, he has a bit of both. <laughs> it's like this weird hybrid. And somehow my mom's from Essex. My dad's from London. I've lived in Norfolk for like 95% of my life. And for whatever reason, I don't have an accent. And I don't know how I avoided picking up the Norfolk accent. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> Because it's it's a it's a mad fucking accent. For all the Americans and the international listeners, we know Jack has an English accent. He means he doesn't <laughs> have that accent. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The, the the specific country accent that we have here in this county is very different to how the three of us talk here on Sequelizers. Yeah. I know That's a that's a bit of all right, boy, isn't it? That's, that's, yeah, that's a bit of right. I go yeah. up market and uh, you know, I just go go over part of I am and uh God, you check are bad some... accents, Tim. Wow. Check out. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. true. It's true. I really I'm am. No, no, I'm not going to... I think I, it was not bad. So. I'm, I'm teasing right. you. I'm teasing you. You did You did do a bit of a um, uh, fighting with my family, fuck it, do West Country and that'll be fine kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Because yes. all the farmer accents in the UK, especially England, yeah. all kind of like merge into this, oh, right there, a farmer kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if you're from Bristol or norfolk or whatever the fuck it's all this weird kind of countryside <laughs> accent and mm. i find like different dialects even in like small areas i think england is such a weird example i'm specifically talking about england here not the uk as a whole because mm. even with us essentially all speaking the same language apart from the cornish you absolute maniacs <laughs> cornwall has its own language don't ask we all have such regional dialects and accents in such a small space you can literally go 20 miles west and people are indecipherable compared to the people you were just talking to whereas like the scale of things in a lot of other countries think of like australia or america or canada you have to travel hundreds of miles to get out of that province or get out of that area or that particular region or state or whatever it is and then it starts shifting unless you're particularly attuned to that. And people are like, oh, that's a West Texas accent. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference between a North, South, East, West Texas accent. Texas is Texas. I have no idea. And we also run into the thing, and I think Dick Van Dyke and, and uh, Don Cheadle are perfect examples here of like stereotyping entire nations by accents. Like, do an American accent. And Matt, you gave the example earlier of like the the California Valley kind of accent is the, Hey, I'm yeah. talking an American accent. And it's like the typical, I'm a Instagram model and influencer and I'm a, I work in Silicon Valley and it's like this totally typical American accent, or you get the Texas accent. That's it. 
Nobody, nobody does like, yeah, I'm speaking with a North Dakotan accent. Be like, no, you're not. That's, <laughs> you don't know what that is. British people then t- tend to like go, and, 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 by the way, for every terrible English accent or Irish accent I've heard across my entire life, there are equally British people doing shit American accents, and us included. Um, oh, and, how and very we'll dare do, you, sir. Uh, we, we, we have moments, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But it's like the idea of like, we do, an accent or an impression is almost always a heightened version because you're hearing the differences. Um, and the British tend to say, Coffee? Are you from New York? And it's like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, like, I'm walking here. Yeah, and I'm from the South. South of what? Well, <laughs> now. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Well, and then it's the, va- the Valley style. Like. But I remember like hearing so many conversations about uh, there's, a, there's like some pockets of regions in, in the South where you say the word hope. It says, like, if you say hope or hope, I'm like, hope? Who the fuck is hope? And then you like hear all these people say, how Enough do you pronounce people that it's coke? a thing? Like, yeah. How do you pronounce coke or coke, coke? And it's like, oh, no. It's, and, but the, the English language as it's written is really shit for phonetics. It's, <laughs> it really It's is. like, oh, that must be written like this. It's like, nope, pronounce like this. And it's like, oh, God. But the point is, in terms of just to rein this into movies for a second, there is a, a, a bisection, a, a split down the middle, in my opinion. And that is people making a choice as actors or directors, whoever's putting that uh, uh, agency on that performance being that way, to impersonate something else or hiding what you have. They're, they're the two oh, things. Oh, interesting. Right. That's, That's not the two the things. I thought it's, you were going with that. No, that, that, that tends to be what I think it is. It's, it's usually, I'm putting on a voice to try and sound like you, or I'm trying to do a voice to not sound like me. Interesting. And that's yeah. what I find fascinating because that, that's, we, we can talk about things like, you know, accents and idiolects and all that sort of stuff, which we will come on to. But the most important thing is an audience doesn't have an ear for it because you're not projecting like to one group of people in a living room. You are projecting to internationally Hundreds yeah. of thousands of people. That's just why most of the time, and this is something I'm going to say that I'm going to cap. I'm literally going to contradict myself when I say it. Technically, it doesn't fucking matter. As <laughs> long as the performance is good, it doesn't matter. Oh, unless, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a key point of the performance is good. As well. <laughs> that's the, yes. You can cover because your you ass have, with a really good performance. <laughs> yeah. Because as a kid, you're like, oh, that sounds great, and then you hear, like, you know, you get to learn people, people from like Canada, for example, and then you go. Oh God, these are all fucking terrible accents. I thought they were made like a good Canadian accent. I was like, nope, you're wrong. Oh, that's a good French accent. Is it? Yeah, he's going, hello. And it's like, that must be a good French accent. It's like, why? Because I recognize it's French. Yeah. Have you recognized that from a French person? No, from that ridiculous honking nonsense you just did. <laughs> if we had subtitles to episodes, ridiculous honking nonsense would definitely be the <laughs> subtitle of this episode. Um, yeah. is it, cause it's interesting because you divided them into those two categories in terms of acting and performance specifically I have always thought about it in two different things and sure. you touched on one of them earlier Matt people doing an accent because it is a choice for that character and essentially it's not their native accent of the of the actor and the casting director or the or the director or whoever it is has said okay this character is going to be Irish I know you're American learn how to do an Irish accent. You've got six months to, with a dialect coach, here you go. That kind of stuff. 
And then you have idiolect, which is someone essentially imitating a real person. And you find this a lot in something we talked about not too long ago in a previous episode, biopics and stuff like that. When you're thinking of these huge, sweeping, incredible like sports movies and stuff, all these historic figures from, from the history of sports and you know, based on real people. And uh, the last episode we talked about based on a true story. So much of them are biographical films and biopics and stuff like that. You get people doing essentially impressions of these historical figures or these celebrities or these musicians or whoever it is. And it really comes down to that thing, again, we touched on last time, is it capturing the essence of the person or are you going for the most accurate portrayal of that person? Are you going full, I'm going to, you know, shift the way I move my mouth and get prosthetics and all this kind of stuff, and we'll we'll definitely talk about that in a second and how that changes. Or are you going to capture the energy and the performance of the person as they were in life, on stage, during speeches, during sports games, whatever it is. And there's there's two very different approaches there. So I, I've always thought about it as like fictional accents or original accents, essentially, and then imitating real people aka idiolects and that's how I've, in terms of acting that's how i've always kind of divided mm. it but i think a lot of the fictional and original accents as you touched on matt it's often based on real people even if you're not imitating that person oh i learned my like you said the afrikaans accent in blood diamond and like you don't speak like that and then you hear his dialect coach and like oh you're just imitating your dialect coach like that makes a lot of sense and a lot of the accents I've done, I do an accent in Super Happy Kill Time, for example, that is based on a real guy who has a Northern Irish accent, and I'm basically just imitating that Northern Irish accent. I'm not turning myself Northern Irish. I'm essentially, in my brain, I'm like, make yourself sound like that guy. He's Northern Irish. Therefore, the character of Conan will sound Northern Irish kind of thing. And I think a lot of actors go through the same process of like, oh, I met a guy from that country who had that accent once. Maybe I can imitate him. Or they bring a specialist in and he's like, oh, yeah, you have to do this accent. And you're like, oh, he's got a really weird dialect of that particular country. He's like, well, he's your dialect coach, so good luck. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's there's a fascinating thing of who we think of as doing accents. And a lot of it comes down to how obvious it is and also who's doing it because like you say jack like there's performances where people like nail especially if it's a figure who's been in the, the public eye and who we are used to hearing speak and then you're yeah, you're definitely. suddenly doing that comparison in your head obviously it's easier with certain like historical figures or whatever and you're like oh I, i've heard of this person like i don't know what alexander the great's accent was like so it doesn't really matter but you know if you but if you're playing you take Muhammad Ali and Will Smith's version of him in Ali, yeah. you can literally play float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and then play Will Smith going float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's like, well, yeah. yeah. You can literally watch them side by side and hear it because we have footage, we have recordings of these people and these voices. A lot of it is about rhythm and cadence as well, for sure, because not only do different languages have that, but di different people talk in different ways as well. Mm. But it's also interesting that um, especially for uh, English-speaking actors who don't come from America. Mm. We often don't think of them as doing an accent when they're speaking. Like, you don't think of Margot Robbie particularly as doing an accent in all of her films 
but like she very rarely plays an Australian. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's certain situations where as well. Yeah, yeah. There's certain situations where it's like, oh, you know, she's playing Harley Quinn, so she's going for that Harley Quinn voice from the cartoons where that originated. Hey New the, York kind of yeah. maybe yeah, that kind of yeah. Yeah. Which obviously isn't a million miles away from her in uh, Wolf of Wall Street either. Well exactly, yeah. But but for something like Focus or whatever, I don't think she plays an Australian in that. I haven't seen it. But no, she doesn't. Yeah. It's it's a fairly generic accent she's doing. And so most people just watching that performance wouldn't think like, oh, she's doing a really good accent because she's just speaking that kind of generic California American voice that we're so used to seeing in mm. the cinema. There's also a thing where through medium of like TV and localized stuff, when you go into television and are a presenter of a show or the news or whatever happens to be, the first thing they sort of teach you is how to speak. And on the British thing used to be like, you have to stand this far from the microphone and you talk with the Queen's English, receive pronunciation. Welcome BBC to the BBC. English back in the 1940s and 1950s. We're now going to, how the Queen still talks to this day. Uh, it is a very strange accent. It's not really a thing. It's, like, it's not really a fucking thing, though. Yeah, the, the Queen has something slightly different, but then received pronunciation was kind of the golden standard of the English-speaking yeah. world because Britain said so, gosh darn it, and we're going to stand by that. It's like, we, we defined the English accent because pff, we can, we have an empire. <laughs> it's like, Christ, England, really? Do we need to, do we need to make everything? Posh. And it's entirely manufactured. It's yeah. not a yep. thing. It's Receive a created accent. It's not a thing. We made it up. RP is artificial. The London accent, like 200 years ago, would have been a bit more country like this. And it's like, fuck off. No, London's this. It's like, mm. Well, interestingly enough, um, I'm again, I'm not sure how much how true this is, but I've read a few books about accents and linguistics mm. and stuff over the years. Like I said, I'm a huge nerd for this kind of stuff. And I was reading one about the... I'll have to look it up, put it in the show notes. Like for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called, but it was talking about the shift and basically the, the nature of the transatlantic accent and people like uh -huh. Charlie Hunnam and Christian Bale and stuff. And I think a perfect example of this, of someone who switches uh, like effortlessly between the two is Gillian Anderson. Oh, shit. Yeah, she yeah. does this thing where she's like, she is convincingly English and then convincingly American. You're like, how come? It's like, I've lived half my life in England and half my life in America. Like, <laughs> Aha! That makes a lot of sense. And, and to me, that's part of the idiolect's um, weakness, shall we say. Mm. Now, you say like a biopic, you're doing an impression of uh, Muhammad Ali, for argument's sake. You know, um, I've seen very good ones, I've seen very bad ones, and so on and so forth. It is limiting, however. Because if you're doing an accent because you've been told by a dialect coach, this is how this is said by the accent. Every single time you do this, uh, let's, let's, let's take uh, Johnny Cash, for example. Joaquin um, Phoenix has an amazing, amazing performance in Walking Incredible Line. performance. We Joaquin, all when is Joaquin Phoenix not amazing, basically? That one time he did that weird rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the point. He, he does everything correctly, but there's a tiny few things that aren't right if you listen to the actual Johnny Cash. And it's only minor stuff. And I think there's, uh, was it um, Eric Singer, the dialect coach? Yeah, Eric Singer, YouTube the dialect coach. He did a um, series of YouTube videos mm. with Wired that basically mm. invented the thing that has dominated YouTube ever since. And as much as I adore those videos, and I, I adore Eric Singer, I've been a fan of his for a while, because um, he is a dialect coach who works with people in Hollywood and on TV and all that sort of stuff and has, has done lectures about accents and dialects and all that kind of stuff. 
he really gets into like I think it's called like technique critic or technique critique or something like that. And now mm. you have the blank expert reacts to blank yeah. on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. and I want to yeah. blow my fucking brains out every time <laughs> I get like guitar player reacts to song, and I'm like, cool. That song doesn't have a guitar in it. Why are you reacting to it? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it starts with a C chord. I'm like, cool. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't want to watch the original content. Fuck off. And YouTube yeah. has been dominated by these React videos now. They're basically a bastardization of these things that Wired and Eric Singer did a few years ago. The idiolect thing is limiting because it can only give you what the actor's done before. Sorry, the, the, the subject has done before. So if you're like, oh, I've done my Muhammad Ali accent. Great, I've got it nailed down from every single recording we have of him. Fantastic. Can you give me one where he cries? What does he sound like when he cries? I'm like, oh... I don't know. I don't know. I've never that, heard that. That's where the acting comes into it. That's where it goes from. You go from being an impressionist and like, oh, I know a couple of things at a party to I remember, um, again, I, I've done a couple of voice acting classes over the years and all that kind of stuff. And there was one I did a few years ago where they talked about if you're doing a voice, you need to be able to just talk in that voice as if you're having a conversation if you can read your shopping list and have a conversation with your partner and answer the phone and just talk normally in this accent that is when you are able to voice act in that accent you can't just be like oh hey i can do three or four catchphrases of this famous person <laughs> with this accent and then fuck off and be like cool i'll do an audition for this accent you need to be able to basically swap between it and your real voice or at least speak enough for the role to cover everything mm. and like you said oh suddenly there's a moment backstage behind muhammad ali has just lost a fight and he's reacting to something there's no cameras so we have no idea what he sounded like at that moment how do you do it will smith good luck what are you, what are you doing here when you're crying when you're defeated we don't know what in that moment what muhammad ali actually said and all that kind of stuff how do you go from there? And that is where I think you have to get then swept up in the performance because there are those moments where you kind of forget if the performance is really good, you forget they are who they are. And you're just like, oh, that's Muhammad Ali. I'm watching a film about, ah, oh, fuck, that is, that's, that's the Fresh Prince. This is weird. And you kind of <laughs> flick back. If, sure. if I find if I'm taken out of something like with an accent or if I'm nitpicking something because, hello, I'm a sequelizer. I find myself like snapped out of reality and being like, "Oh yeah, I'm watch I'm watching a film. It's Will Smith acting. Yeah, I'm now I'm now suddenly aware of the the fourth wall between us kind of thing." Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's those moments of high emotion that are also where people's natural accent is most likely to come through. Bing. Because especially if you're say a method actor and you're relying a lot on your own emotions to channel that performance it's where it gets the hardest to regulate your own voice. Um, so I think, yeah, the, 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 the combination of not having the reference material and especially for, like we say, for real people, like for a specific person rather than for an accent, that combination of there's no recording of this person like laughing their tits off um, <laughs> or, you know, crying or, or getting like really, really angry. Um, and there's all three of those of us on sequelizers, so we're sort of yeah. people who need to do impersonations of us. Um, yeah, but I think it's 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 interesting, and I think there's definitely actors who can do all right for a certain amount of time, and then 
unfortunately at the moments where you're where they're the performance is at its most crucial it's when the accent is most likely to slip mm. um i think of uh, crack michael, under pressure. Fa- michael fassbender oh I think is a, god yeah. is, a, is a big victim of this he's, where he's, he he's can quite do, irish magneto <laughs> yes yeah he can do a really good accent when he's just talking in a relatively even tone but once he actually starts acting um <laughs> then it starts he you know goes back to his natural accent unfortunately mm. Well, okay. Fassbender is a great example because you're right. There are moments where he's he's flawed as fuck, and then moments like with Jobs or Steve Jobs, I should say, and um, Prometheus. And it's like he's kind of fucking nailing this. And it's, yeah. as you say, it's his only performance moments. as David is so again because it's a thing where it's like that he he's also not human because that's a thing where it's like he's doing an accent, but what is an android supposed to talk like? We don't have a reference point because they don't fucking exist. So you can get away with anything. And the fact that David talks in this very weird kind of quietly spoken, tight teeth, lips kind of <laughs> thing almost portrays the roboticness of his, the fact that he's not human. And I think that plays into the character. And a, a brilliant example of that like Eric Singer always brings up is does the accent disappear into the character? Have you integrated it into the character? Are you now, like, are you aware that you're doing an accent or are you just doing the performance? And that that accent just happens to be a part of that performance. And I think you get magical moments like that in both the idiolect way where people are doing biopics and stuff and then when people are doing performances. Like, some people don't know certain actors are from parts of the world that they are because they disappear into their accents. We probably blew some people's minds when I said Christian Bale is Welsh. from like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, he's got to be either American or from London, right? And when he speaks, he kind of does have this weird London-y kind of accent. He just kind of talks like, it kind of slurs his words and doesn't really have a particular kind of... Englishy kind of accent, and then you think about him in like American Psycho, or even as Bruce Wayne, not the Batman voice, obviously. But think about him as Bruce Wayne. It's this kind of neutral American thing. But Patrick Bateman from American Psycho has a very particular way of talking, and he has these moments of psychosis where he loses a shit, and then he's very, very dialed down and very creepy and very weird. And you kind of forget that Christian Bale is doing an accent because, oh my God, look at that business card. And you're like, oh, you don't think, <laughs> oh, he's doing an American accent. You think Patrick Bateman is a fucking weirdo and he disappears yeah. into the role. And he's integrated that Patrick Bateman is American, therefore he's doing an American accent. And it just becomes a part of it. Right. And it's those performances I find particularly fascinating where you kind of forget. I mean, uh, Idris Elba is a perfect example, and I know this isn't movies, this is TV, but... No, it's a good example. I get an excuse to talk about The Wire, because I fucking love The <laughs> Wire. It's one of the best TV shows I've made. Go and watch The Wire. He plays a character called Stringer Bell, who, unsurprisingly, considering it's Idris Elba, is an African-American guy from Baltimore. And he does little twists on his American accent to do little Baltimore, like, little dialect moments. Some of the other actors are actually from Baltimore and have full-on kind of more over accents. But Idris Elba was getting cast in stuff following The Wire, people thinking, oh, he's an American black guy from Baltimore. Cool. We'll get him over. And he's like, hello, mate. Sorry, I live in London. <laughs> You're like, 
wait, what? Who's this? Who's this British bloke? No, I want, I want the American Idris Elba. I don't want the British. There's not that many Idris Elbas, motherfucker. Like, I think you got the wrong one. And pe- it blew people's minds. And literally, casting directors were confused because his American accent was so good in that show. And it was basically his breakout role. So nobody had any other frame of reference, mm-hmm. unless you'd happen to see him in smaller stuff or stage productions in London beforehand. You had no idea. So you're like. That's a perfectly believable, realistic accent. So he's probably American. I have no other, no other, no reason to question it, basically. And I find those fascinating where people just disappear so convincingly. Like, wait, where are they from? Really? Are you sure? Some people really criticize uh, Hugh Laurie's accent in House. Mm. Um, but apparently, when he auditioned for it the people who who were doing like producers and whatever yeah, weren't yeah. F- familiar with him from <laughs> black adder fry and laurie all those kind of things and just thought he was an american actor That's um and were like oh we've we've discovered this guy like he's like he's in his 40s and like he's he come out of nowhere yeah it's like <laughs> he's been in fucking cambridge in britain <laughs> wow he's done some really great studying in britain he must have some real like he's been on stage for shakespeare and stuff he must have, that's that's all the british guys do right um another one that's a great example now because he gets a lot of flack because he does fuck up is um is Aidan Gillen because he is also in The Wire and he nobody is. suspects he's a fucking Irish dude. And he's fucking brilliant in The Wire and his American accent, again, he plays very different to Stringer Bell because Stringer Bell is like a gang member and stuff. He's a polit- he's a Baltimore politician and a sleazy motherfucker, but he has the, the American twang with the Baltimore twang as well. And nobody suspected a thing. Yet when he tries to do a little sneaky English accent, he suddenly goes a little bit Irish and then he's, <laughs> I'm going to slit your throat and take over the throne. You're like, And the problem is he had it for like two seasons and then he clearly was like, and I read interviews with him where he's like, I hate this shit. I don't care about fantasy. This is middle of the road bullshit. I don't <laughs> care about, but it pays for my mortgage, so I don't care. So he was like, fuck it, I'm just going to, Doma Irish accent. Hello, Sansa. How you doing? Uh, he, You're yeah. stronger than that. It's like Ge- genuinely, <laughs> he just gives up, and he's like, "Well, I best creep on the seventeen-year-old girl and do my Irish accent." <laughs> and you're like, okay, Aiden, fair enough. But yeah. It's weird because he can do an American accent as we established, and yet in Dark Knight Rises, he does. I imagine it's just immersion when you're filming in Baltimore, or at least in America. You obviously have like when you're there. You're around more people, as Tim mentioned earlier. You kind of adopt these things as almost like a chameleon-like um, genetic response mm. of like, I mm. want to belong. I want. To and on the in. set of the wire, you're surrounded by people from Baltimore. Yeah, so it's easier to yeah. do rather than just being on a soundstage somewhere saying he didn't fly so good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like one of the reasons that um, you know people do foreign exchange trips is to to immerse yourself in the culture yeah. and the yeah. language. And when you have it spoken around you every day it's a lot easier to pick up the nuances of of what you're what you're looking for yeah i um, I, I worked in the english language industry for years that was my my job until fairly recently and we sold the whole concept of coming and living with a local family and stuff because they can learn about your culture from where you're from in your home country and you're able to learn not only learn about like the life in norwich and life in the uk but as you said tim absorb yourself and get completely kind of like immersed in the language your the chances are a family in norwich don't speak your native tongue if you're from another country we had a we had a couple of the host families who were like bilingual or multilingual or whatever but the vast majority of them not only were very british 
they were very Norfolk and mm-hmm. had no hope of learning any other languages or were difficult for yeah. me to understand at times, let alone let alone some of the international students. So you have no choice but to speak English to them. And that, like, forcing you into it every day of, like, if I don't ask what I want for breakfast, I might get something I don't like. And you literally have that, like, survival incentive of, like, I'm mm. allergic to nuts and I need to tell them I'm allergic to nuts, <laughs> but I don't know how to do it. And I'm just, like, holding up peanuts going, I don't like, no, 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 please, no, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And I had so many stories from, like, teenagers and then even some of the older students who because we had mature students as well who had only really experienced like english language through movies and reading english books and stuff like that but had never really actually spoken to english speakers on a native level and they'd grown up speaking their language and maybe we had like spanish i speak spanish portuguese italian and french my english is terrible it's like i mean you're you're pretty far ahead of the game already, but fair enough. <laughs> and see, that's that's fascinating to me because just just as a very quick uh, duality, shall we say, the first is that when I'm watching like NHK news, which is a Japanese news station, you can tell the NHK world where they've learned English from their yes. accents. If they've yes. learned it in Australia, Britain, or America. Um, being the, the usual primary places because the, the the vowels that are coming out of their faces and the other versions us it's like it's as Jack just said people learn a lot through film and uh, for better or worse and the same thing there's with British people learning you know about American accents but really having never met a lot of Americans same thing with you know oh uh, cheerio is that, that that's how you say it, isn't it? Cheerio is, means hi. No means goodbye, and you've made a fool of yourself. No, no. It, <laughs> it, the, the whole point is. <sighs> but what does pip pip mean, Matthew? That's the real question. What does that translate to? Pip pip. I'm pretty sure it's fuck off. No, no. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a very Jeeves and Worcester style, high educated posh toff nonsense that isn't it isn't spoken today much at all. Hopefully. Um, and yet people assume it's a thing yeah. that exists. And, and what I found most interesting, so my dad went and uh, has done a few trips to India over the years. He did like typical hippie bullshit because he was grew up in the 70s, did some like spiritual pilgrimages and all this kind of stuff um, and went and lived out in India for a few months, a, a few years at a time, uh, like in my 20s and stuff like that. And um, he was explaining to me the kind of English that most Indian people speak. And it's mm-hmm. this weird Victorian, almost Jeeves and Worcester style, very is, received yeah. pronunciation style English, because I had to bring it up again, it was the British Empire, and then <laughs> we kind of conquered the world and enslaved them all and all that kind of shit. And that's the English that was spoken at the time when the West Indian Trading Company was happening and all this kind of stuff. And we're going through and just taking over, you know, that part of the world, basically. Mm. and that has kind of been passed down so like that's the english that your great grandfather spoke when the english were here now the english are gone that's the only reference you have so your great grandfather passes that down the generations so you have the only english speaking you know is this essentially old fashioned very eloquent weird hybrid but like often very thick 
Indian accented as well. So you have this like they would enunciate immaculately and then just completely go off the rails with like pronunciations that make no sense, especially for words that didn't have reference back then. Mm. So you'd have like, oh, they can talk about railways and meet talk tea and talking to each other and uh, conversations and, and cultures and all this kind of stuff. But as soon as they have computers or cars or anything that is like post that era, suddenly there's like this complete shift in pronunciation and they're almost like swapping between accents as they're speaking their second language. And my dad was like, that fucking blew my mind. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe it. It was, it was absolutely mental. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really weird and interesting. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 a school of thought that the most authentic English accents are probably somewhere in America. Um, because they haven't been diluted by the idea of received pronunciation, so they're just in their own thing. Obviously, not now, probably, but we're kind of veering our films a bit. When it comes to what Jack just said, there was a very interesting shift. Almost every single accent we've sort of tried, talked about in variations, we've done a little thing. There are some accents you just kind of don't do. Notice I didn't go, oh yeah, this well, this sounds like an Indian accent. Yeah. And I, I've watched a lot of Indian <laughs> films and I know exactly what he's talking about because there is an interesting f dialect flick where you just introduce English language words and it sounds very, very interesting. But we're not going to do them. Mm -hmm. And there's a key reason. And there's, a, there's an unspoken rule, <laughs> of, of, at least there should be, of if an area has been in any way colonized and you are not of that nationality, don't impersonate the fucking accent. So, for example, I could do a French accent, a German accent, fucking any European accent I want, arguably, until you go Eastern European, then it gets very questionable. Mm. Um, because it's the whole, like, fair game. And that's not true, but that's how it feels. Same thing with America. Same thing with it. But if I start saying, now we do a Mexican accent, it's like, nope, nope. I'm going to do an Indian accent. And everybody goes, ugh. Yeah. I'm going to Chinese it's, accents. Like, well, nope, it, it's the accent equivalent of brown face and black face, right? Like, Pretty much. It's, it's kind of this weird cultural appropriation thing. And it can, it can be done, like, again, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to Eric Singer because he's the pivotal example of this on the internet, unfortunately, for, for better or worse, as much as I love him. He's basically the only guy who was doing this at this level. So I'm going to have to keep referencing him. He talks about the way uh, Ben Kingsley does Gandhi in oh, Gandhi. Oh, yeah, perfect. And perfect. he has the, 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 the like the, the act that even me doing that, I felt a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Just the yeah. rhythm of the speech and the way it goes up and down and the like the the way your inflection changes. Gandhi's voice changed as he got older. He started off with the very traditional English accent mm -hmm. and got essentially more Indian, quote unquote, as he got older, as he embraced his, you know, in Indianness, his heritage and his nationality, mm. and became more a man of the people and less a man of England and the Empire and all that kind of stuff. And Eric Singer describes how Ben Kingsley does that. But he doesn't do the voice. <laughs> I was like, there's a very key thing. You're describing how this works without doing an impression. And unless you handle it in a very, very careful way, it very quickly descends into stereotypes and racism. And this is the voice that the people who are racist should do at these people. So they, they've kind of bastardized it and, and taken the ownership away from them. Yeah, dialect coaches will give you the vowels and nothing else. They'll say, make sure when you, when you pronounce 
um, failed, you say failed. And so with the T at the end, it's like, okay, I understand that. So you get fragments, but they won't start just doing what is basically a race impression of like a Jamaican accent, for example, yeah. because it's insensitive. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fortunate thing with film is that we've now moved beyond an age where it is acceptable to do brownface and blackface and, and various other things. For the most part, thank God. Yeah. Um, the Love Guru wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Neither was Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oscar-nominated uh, performance. Oscar-nominated performance of the dude playing a dude who's playing another dude in yeah. blackface. Um, it's become certainly less acceptable. I don't. I think. I think even in the shift in say the last ten years, you would not make those films now, um, or at least not have those performances in them. Um, and aside from animation and other things where you're you're not seeing the actor, it's be part of that is because character people people don't want to. It, it's it's the visual as well as the auditory, so to speak. Yeah. Like if you're gonna, if we're gonna have, I don't know, Christian bale playing like a black jamaican guy it's like he's not just got to do the voice he would literally have to black up yeah. um and yeah. i think it's almost that the the fact that the the visual side of that is so rightfully chastised now yeah that the yeah. accent side is starting to fade away and it's very interesting that if you go on, you know, you go on, type in, you know, worst accents in movies kind of thing, and you'll get these listicles and you'll get these YouTube videos. Very few of them are going to pick out stuff like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> example, yeah. Hell, yeah. And instead they're going to say Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins because mm -hmm. it's almost like it's a different category of thing because we yes. recognize like, no, that's so, that's not even that you're doing a bad accent. That is that you are doing a racial stereotype. Yes. And that's a that's a significantly different thing. That's not mm. just you know, having having you know your Irish lilt sl slip through when you're meant to be playing Robin Hood or something. Yeah, no, yeah. that's 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 very much the case, and I think that's that's where it becomes very interesting. And just to talk about the actors for a second, I both love and hate when this happens. I both love a performance with an amazing accent that draws me in because again, I'm very similar to Jack. I love the idea of linguistics. And as somebody who likes language, in order to get um, a... you're also a man of multiple accents. You've got Irish heritage. You've it's true. That's true. And you've got your London side, obviously. And I drift into all of them all the time. And yeah, yeah. You, you you're obviously able to do an Irish accent yourself because you've got such a close reference with your family members. Mm. And I remember you telling me when you go back to, you know, see your family in Ireland suddenly the switch kind of starts oh, it just, starts twisting and starts cranking. Instant, yeah. And then like by day two, you're like, oh, hello there, I'm Matt Stockton. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and they're all still saying, you sound like a bloody Londoner. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be, they'll, it, it, it's, it's, it tends to be a pitch more than anything else. And more importantly, um, a change in my facial structure. So I'll, I'll say ah a lot. It's like, ah, oh, well, yeah. yeah. And I'll be, ah, yeah, 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 all right. Well, uh, okay, yeah, comes out more than my London. He's like, <laughs> yeah, your your London accent, you always go, you always go very deep and very lant and very like, fucking hell, mate. I'll kick your fucking teeth in. And then, oh, I'm Irish and I'm all up high and I talk <laughs> like this. It's like, we're going to dive into some more specific examples in the second half, listeners. Mm. 
the the way you move your mouth and you like you said the muscles in your face change to yep. do different things and whether that's done like consciously by the actor or by prosthetics and stuff and there's some really great examples i can think of that we like i said we'll talk about in a moment sure but you're you're consciously like you said oh suddenly when you're speaking in in your more irish accent the sides of your mouth will go up and with the london accent your jaw is slightly looser or whatever it mm. is your tongue starts moving from the front to the back and again we're going to talk about him eric singer talks about this and how the way words and particular sounds and like you said consonants and vowels and and diphthongs and all this kind of stuff are formed mm. in the mouth and he literally gives examples of like this person speaks like this because they say their s's with the tip of their tongue pointed up whereas this person says s's with the tip of their tongue pointed down so there's s and there's f and there's two different sides and more you're more likely to have a lisp if the tongue goes down i was like i had never thought about that before and he's mm -hmm. like try it now say s where does your tongue end up i'm like Oh fuck! I'm a tongue upper. I never noticed that. Oh my god! It's that <laughs> classic thing of like, you don't know you're doing it because it's such a integral part of who you are. I I don't think about oh when I'm pronouncing Matt's name or when I'm saying Stogden or Tim or sequelizers. I'm thinking I'm thinking my tongue is going like sequelizers and the breath and the you know your uvula and your tonsils and your vocal cords mm -hmm. are all combining to make this unique sound. And then he explains it in very literal scientific ways. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is why that sounds like that. That's so fascinating. And pu putting that into performances, and it's those little bits of attention to detail and nuances that I really appreciate, and especially what Eric, as a you know professional, experienced dialect coach, he's able to just drill straight down and be like, oh, yeah, he nailed this accent because they typically do this thing in their native language where the tongue does this thing. And he's nailed that thing. Here's an example. And they like snip out that one little sound. It goes, mm, mm, mm. And you're like, oh yeah, that is the same mm as the native language. That's really, really clever. Yeah, there's so much of it, like you say, is about physicality and an awareness mm. of what you're actually doing with your mouth and your voice. And I think I'd be fascinated to know if that there is a correlation between, um, and I don't, I not, you know, super well educated in terms of like different acting methods but like to me something like the stanislavski method acting like it comes from a very emotional place and so you're probably not thinking about the precise movements of what your mouth is doing at the exact time and so that might make it more difficult if that's the way you've been trained to act to maintain an accent whereas i believe it's called the alexander method where it's all about like relearning how you move and like being very conscious of all your movements might make you actually better at doing accents because you're constantly that is part of your acting process is to think like how am i stood how are my shoulders how is my chest how is you know how are all of these things i've taken voice acting lessons like i said and they say like if you can stand up and act like the character if you're going to punch somebody throw a punch and go because instead of just going Ugh, you throw it and your body moves and the way that your chest moves is going to change how air is expelled from your three esophagus. Siren going past. Actually moving and changing and like the perfect example is I remember watching a video from John DiMaggio who, funnily enough, came up in our Studio Ghibli episode. 
There we mm -hmm. go. And uh, the way he was talking about doing different accents, and he literally like tucks his chin in. If he's playing like a physically larger character, especially if they're fat and got like double chins and stuff, he gives himself a double chin and he talks like this. Instead of just talking like this, doing that thing makes it sound different. And I was like, oh, wow, he's like really physical in the booth and actually like throwing himself around and shifting his face and doing all this crazy stuff. And it is really interesting to see how many actors think just like, oh, yeah, I can act so I can just go and voice act. And they just sit there and be like, hello, I am character A and this is my line. I'm like, you no, know, you're an actor. Act. Keep doing the acting bit <laughs> that you've learned. It, the same rules apply here. Just keep doing the thing. And particular nuances to accents and stuff, you do have to physically, like, and especially if you're impersonating somebody who has a well-known voice, as we talked about earlier, if they had a particular physical mannerism or even like a, a like a deformity or they talk out the side of their mouth or whatever it was, you try and imitate that and it brings another level to that performance and gives it more authenticity in that way. I didn't really think of it in terms of accent, more in terms of performance, but of recent years and, and but of a vocal type performance is, and we've talked about it before, Christian Bale in Vice. Dick, Dick Cheney. Um, the Dick Cheney performance oh, where he's yeah. talking out the Ridiculous. side of his mouth. Um, and it's so and good. put on a bunch of weight. And yes. You can hear the jowls in his performance. It's like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. But like, if you close your eyes, you're like, I can just tell that's Christian Bale from the timbre of his voice. But apart from mm. that, it's fucking Dick Cheney. It's ridiculous. And this is where it gets complicated. Because there's a drawback I was saying earlier. When people talk, it's trash. And I'm saying this as a podcast um, because it's free form. Go it's subscribe patreoncom slash We're not. Trying to cover it, <laughs> and it's it's something that is is literally now. I'm thinking of words. I'm trying to pull them in, make it make sense. I'm telling you guys, and you're going to react to that accordingly. But a script doesn't work like that most of the time, at least. And the same thing with accents. The same thing applies. So you end up having this very calculated thing, and you have to unwrite the learning of how you've been enunciating things in the past. So if you learn how this character talks on the side of their mouth, and they're very much drawn in and close, and this is how they speak with a very almost underbites. It's like, okay, fine. But I want to get the performance across, so I'm going to do it like this. And it's like, you sound different. You've lost it now because you're acting. And that's not a bad thing. That's where dialogue, that's where the niche comes in. That's when you like to say someone's doing a great performance of like buddy holly but they're not playing the right fucking chords it doesn't matter because i feel they're playing the music and this is where it comes to ego we talk about christian bale and in vice doing a fucking amazing job entirely uh daniel day lewis um in most daniel day lewis fucking movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in your day lewis in a moment yeah don't worry. but it's the thing whereby they stand the fuck out Somebody doing a good impression. Um, let's say, for argument's sake, uh, Johnny Depp in From Hell does an all right London accent, an East London accent. He's not doing terrible. Heather Graham is. She's doing terrible. <laughs> accent. Um, and that's kind of the point. When you have so many people competing with these different things or trying to immerse themselves, you start picking up the problems. And someone's gone off and done this intense research to this exact, pitch-perfect, tonally accurate accent entirely. So much so that they are lost in it and then you cut to someone else on the other side of the screen who's doing ham bullshit not because they can't 
do it, not because they haven't had the time, but because they don't have enough of a, well, I'm not getting a fucking Oscar for this. What's the fucking point? Mm. Um, and they stand out more. And it, you see this amazing central performance and it robs you of the, uh, the what's going on, basically. Is it just a case of an actor like, no, I want to do this. I'm gone off. And I'm, I think, again, Daniel DeLewis um, sent a tape and marked top secret or something to Steven Spielberg saying, this is the Lincoln voice. And it's like, based on the idea that I've heard he's a very reedy sort of like uh, high pitch, whiny voice. And this is a bit like this. And it's like, you know, old man kind of shit. And it's like, okay, fair enough. Um, and this is the voice I'm going to go with. I've done this. I've done so much research. And it's like, okay, everyone else is going to be doing American accents, just like regular ass fucking American <laughs> accents. You're going to stand the fuck out because like, uh, my name is Daniel Plainview and I've come here with my son, HW. Anyone else in the film talk like this? No. Well, that's because I'm the goddamn lead and I want to kill you now. And it's like, I get it. And that's good. But it's also really fucking distracting. <laughs> Yeah, I think because there is a question of like, where where does the fault lie? And a an actor of say, for example, Daniel Day Lewis's caliber, where they go into projects and there is an awareness of like, oh, this guy's you're going to get an amazing performance, but you know you are going to have to let him go be a cobbler in Venice for two. <laughs> Don't expect to have a normal um, conversation with him for the next six months because yes. he he is now Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes, tough. So there's a certain amount of ego and status that's involved there to be able to take the time to get that pitch perfect performance, including including the accent work and the impression, idiolect, you know, performance mm. of a, an individual kind of thing. Um, and if you are just like a jobbing actor, even someone who, you know, we would recognize the name of but is someone who is just like yeah i get kind of like i you know i'm eighth build in most of the stuff that i do you know and oh I'm it's on that this, guy one of yeah one of those I'm, on, I'm on this set for for five days you know and i have this scene where it's with daniel day lewis and oh man i'm such an honor great but like i am not being paid enough money and i am not being given enough time necessarily and um, of god we know that there's film sets where the you know you are getting the script on the day to say like here's what you're going to be saying it's like well i rehearsed the previous draft with the accent and i you know that that was me setting aside like two weeks where all i ate was you know ramen you know because i wasn't <laughs> working i was working on this accent and now you've completely changed what i was saying it's like yeah we we've shifted the scenes around so this that doesn't work anymore now you're saying this and also by the way you're injured now so you're going to have to do it <laughs> while also pretending to be injured it's yeah. like well fuck me you're not getting a good accent because i you know i have no time kind of thing there's always the classic like you know can you say this word please uh it's in the ship it's it's, it's like um rapture and it's like oh fuck Rapture, rapture, rap, rapture, with a with with an English accent. Yeah, how the fuck would they say rapture? And I'm like rapture, <laughs> rapture, rapture. I've done the rapture. It's like what the fuck are you doing rapture? Well, they say past and and <laughs> yeah, rapture. That sort of shit. You know, rap rapture like Shropshire, <laughs> <laughs> like a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. Um, <laughs> And that, that's kind of the thing. It, it, it is a it is a tightrope walk, but at the same time, and this is why I'm just going to draw it straight back to the start. It doesn't fucking matter. As long as you are until, sold until on the performance. Until it does, Matthew. Until yeah. it does. And unless it's your accent, unless it's yours or your fucking mum's or someone so fucking close to you that you're like, 
that's personal and you're doing it wrong. Time for an ad break. Um, this goes out very distinctly and very specifically to our fourth highest listener base, which is Canada. Sorry about that, eh? As every fucking American film will be convinced you all talk. And today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I know a lot of people use HelloFresh and various other similar services, and it's one of the things that sort of seems like a really good gateway to cooking and like, oh, I know to use this now. I used to use this pinch of extract or paprika, that kind of thing. It's like, oh, I've actually got a bit of an understanding now. So it's that's very cool. So for our Canadian listeners, go to the link in our show notes to get $80 Canadian off, including free delivery on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Whenever I think Canadian accents, I just think Letterkenny now, <laughs> which is glorious rural Canadian mm. accents. So we're going to, as we often do on these interseason episodes, dive into some specific examples. We've not actually got our own picks this time, interesting enough, because we're not going to, you know, spend 10, 15 minutes talking about one particular accent of a particular actor. But we will be giving specific examples of good and very, very bad ones as well. So uh, I'm going to kick things off with one of my favorites and a guy who I've kind of recently come to appreciate even more from watching a TV show he's kind of famous for. And I do not like this film very much, but I think his performance is fantastic. So much so he won a fucking Oscar for it. It's Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. and. I think I've been fairly vocal. If you are on our Discord or you know me in real life and have ever asked, I do not like Bohemian Rhapsody very much. I think it is a big editing mess and a big schmoz bullshit that rewrites the timeline of Queen to make Freddie Mercury seemingly not who he actually was and make for like the whole Live Aid thing seem like his final performance, even though it wasn't and all this movie magic bullshit that seems to kind of go against the actual presentation of the movie. However, the central performance from Rami Malek is kind of spectacular. And the way that he embodies Freddy's mannerisms and the way he talks is nothing short of incredible, especially with those giant fucking teeth in his mouth. <laughs> Because that's such an integral part of Freddie's look and, and the way Freddie spoke was so defined by like Freddie's huge teeth at the front of his mouth. Like those, the way they are further forward than most other people's is going to affect how you talk. And the fact that Rami Malek isn't even English and he's doing this English accent on top of Freddie Mercury's, as we talked about earlier, incredibly famous accent and way of speaking and all this kind of stuff and his mannerisms it's a brilliant brilliant performance and um, the reason i've come to appreciate him I've, I've started watching mr robot fairly recently and it's really weird now hearing rami malik talking in an american accent after i've heard him for so long talking as freddie mercury and seeing him kind of 
come back almost come back around to his normal voice and like oh that's what you sound like the rest of the time that makes sense that that's le- less weird but yeah i think he's fantastic as freddie mercury and i think his the way he does like freddie's lisp and stuff when you you put the tongue just behind the teeth and do the little lisp thing is incredible and fantastic and really captures the way freddie spoke yeah i mean we talked about how people's upbringing and their background can affect their accent like freddie mercury had such a specific accent because he was born in zanzibar his parents were um from the parsi community in western india um and then he obviously grew up amongst a lot of english-speaking people because it was during a time when like that area was under british colonial rule and then he moved to England and then it's like there's so many different influences being mixed in there. Um, and, you know, he spent significant parts of his childhood in India and then, you know, went to British boarding school. Like there, there is such a mix of things to, to create a very specific voice. And mm. so to get that performance while finding that voice is is an incredibly a hard thing to do and i think like you say it is a bad film but his performance is worth recognizing and obviously was recognized um for you know how how good it was people's lives are roadmaps and you pick up so much along the way that when you get there i mean i don't know what the fuck the roadmap for kevin costner looks like because he doesn't have an accent from where he's from he has a kevin costner accent that's true that's just him <laughs> and every film he does just him it's, it's so weird you're gonna get what you get with old kevin costner aren't you mm-hmm. are you gonna be american or british yes yes it's like i am chewing some old pasta at the same time as talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, one we touched upon earlier i definitely want to talk about is uh joaquin phoenix's performances johnny cash so we're gonna kind of i'm gonna kind of stick on the idiolect stuff and then we'll talk about other accents in, in, in a bit as well but sticking with those kind of performances johnny cash again one of the most iconic voices in music spinning off from Freddie Mercury, who is most people consider like one of the greatest singers and frontmen of all time in the history of rock music. Johnny Cash has one of the most distinctive voices in the history of country. And that deep kind of Southern drawl that you get from Johnny Cash is just not quite what you get from Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin, Joaquin's performance is fantastic, but Johnny is just on another register. He is so much lower than Phoenix's natural speech. It, it's it's just this different sounding thing. And Johnny Cash kind of spoke with this very kind of traditional Southern thing where you pr- pronounce the H in like what and when. So he says what and when. And he even does that when he's singing because his singing style is quite talky. Like, like in Folsom Prison Blues, I don't know when, and he says the when, but <laughs> but you get that example of like it's Johnny Cash played by Joaquin Phoenix writing it on his guitar, and he's like, and I don't know when. It's like you didn't go for the when there, you didn't get the full hua. I'm like, I don't know when. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it's very very close, and again, it's something. You don't notice and unless you're a dialect coach or you really, really know that accent and that person, 
like you're from that part of the world or you really really know Johnny Cash's voice and you're a mega fan or whatever I've watched Walk the Line a few times and never picked up on that and then as soon as it's brought up again by Eric Singer in one of his videos I was like oh yeah holy shit that is a thing and that is kind of an integral part to a lot of that kind of American southern accents you get that hot and when kind of sound to it Wilford Brimley is another perfect example of somebody who does that and when he speaks as well it's but again, weird it's, just, it's about subtlety because you can yeah. go kevin spacey doing foghorn like well now or even like daniel craig in uh knives out well uh, i'm so intrigued by it though and it's like this is cartoon but it's like but that's another example of a shit accent that we yeah. love <laughs> yeah diabetes <laughs> <laughs> yeah daniel craig's accent in knives out is a fascinating one because him in uh, Knives Out and in Logan Lucky. Yeah. Oh, and um, Logan Lucky, yeah, yeah. I, I just love... I, I don't know if they're... In, like I said, I'm shit at accents. I have no idea if those are good accents, but I, God damn, I love them. There's a great... Well, not great. There's an SNL sketch that came out shortly after Knives Out was a big success, and it's like, okay, let's do it, and um, uh, let's bring Daniel in. It's like, oh, thank you so much. For, I'm really looking for, forward to doing this movie and working with you, Ryan. No, yeah, no problem at all. How do you plan on doing this? Well, I was thinking about doing it like this. And it's like, can you, do you, okay. Um, well, it's, it's okay, because it's good. I've been working with this dialect coach. And he comes, I'm from uh, Connecticut, and I know all about how these people in the South speak. They talk like this, make sure you juggle yourself around. And it's like, that's atrocious. But the point is that's <laughs> going for something that's so crazy over time. And it stands out, as I mentioned earlier about the ego aspect, about Daniel Day-Lewis and stuff. It's kind of true of like, you know, um, uh, Daniel Craig's character in Knives Out, but it kind of enhances it as well because it makes him stand out from everyone else. He feels different to everyone else he because does, of that. Yeah. He feels like an outsider in this group of, you know, this very contained, uh, tight-knit group, as it were. Same thing with um, Anna Amaris characters having her own accent as well. And it's like you stand out because you have a sort of central South American accent. You are not one of them. And that's when you can use these things very cleverly. To I mean, <clears throat> it's not a good example because it was a fucking weird move, but I understand the logic. And that is Oliver Stone's Alexander. Hmm. He tried to do something that I thought, I actually get that. You shouldn't have done it, but I get it. And rather than having the two, because we have, we associate the past with British received pronunciation accents. So, like if you watch Troy, everyone's speaking with English accents. Brad Pitt, Eric Banner, neither of them from England, but they're all talking like this. And it's like, yeah, you know who you're fighting now. I do. Why are you talking <laughs> like that? Um, but um, and equally, as Tim brought up in in. Um, his his example the other week about the idea that in the death of Stalin people just use their own accents and it works perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. It's, it's a very weird one. So we we get this association and Alexander. For those who don't know, it's about the history of Alexander the Great in theory, and lots of it anyway. But Greece and Macedonia were two separate kingdoms. Still, kind of are. It's very complicated. But the point is that Macedonia was the poor one, and because Philip and Alexander, his son, were from Macedonia, it was like, you're not Greek. You're not this thing. You're, you're an outsider. You're, as far as we can perceive you, you're uneducated, poor, dirty, we don't like you, but you're currently the king. And it's like, 
well, a good way to do that is to say, how would you have, you know, all these classically trained, I'm Greek and I'm Menelaus and all that sort of stuff. And oh, it's all these, you know, what we associate with the past. And who's this boy king? Hello, I'm Colin Farrell. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and I'm Val Kilmer and I'm Jared Leto. And it's like, okay. And also <laughs> want to highlight that Angelina Jolie was from a different sect entirely, a different part, but she wasn't Macedonian or anything like that. So she takes on this accent. It's completely... Her uh, accent in that is so fucking wild. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I birthed my Avenger in my womb. It's like, where are you from? <laughs> Fuck me. But all of it is nonsense. And that's the point. It, it's the feeling that these people feel like they're not in the same group. They talk different to these others. No one's trying a Greek accent. No one is trying... Uh, their own accents it's it's except for colin farrell and it's an interesting choice and i can see the thematic idea behind it i don't know if it worked and it's it's always fascinating to me when you when when this happens and yet at the same time in addition to you know the choice to make everyone sound like there are times you can't not do it so for example if you're doing a film set in like the vietnam war we expect american accents if anything comes out that isn't it'll be confusing um for some reason and we refuse but on the vietnamese side of it we don't care and we being the you know the general english-speaking audience case in point in my web series we have an actor who speaks entirely in japanese um and he said how do you want me to do the dialect like how would you want this written i said oh okay well what, what do you think and he said well he said if he's maybe like this sort of underhand criminal and he's got more of a sort of edge to him we can get like a, more of an osaka style accent i said yeah okay let's go with that and he's he's showing me the difference i'm like oh okay interesting but to the untrained ear it's just japanese speaking japanese 100 percent. i find it really difficult to differentiate non-english language accents from each other like i said i can barely tell like different parts of texas or one or different parts of mm. the, the south in america let alone one spanish speaker from another spanish speaker or one Japanese speaker from a you know Spanish speakers who live thousands like a South American Spanish speaker and someone from Spain and I'd be like it's all Spanish I'm afraid mm -hmm. I'm sorry I know you are very different people and you you know <laughs> completely different cultures and thousands of miles apart but my knowledge of Spanish is so non-existent I'm like you could be from Argentina you could be from Chile you could be from Spain yeah you are speaking Spanish. <laughs> I, I just want to dip back to Colin Farrell there <laughs> because there's there's a category of actor and performance that we haven't really touched on, which is the people who are like, I don't do another accent, I just do me. Ah, yes. <laughs> kind of the, the Kevin Costners of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it can be really jarring, but then sometimes it can be, you know, you're just like, I'm Colin Farrell. Yeah, uh, Bullseye, he's from Ireland now. It's like, see, okay, this is, fair enough. This was fascinating <laughs> to me. Colin Farrell in Tigerland and Minority Report does a great fucking American accent. And yet he's like, oh, you're a criminal. Right, so I'll, I'll, I'll do a Dublin accent. More peanuts, please. And it's like, <laughs> I'm a loiterer and aren't here. And I'm right. and it's like, don't, don't, don't do that. And it's like, I've seen him as a criminal. I do like this. Yeah, yeah. The devil's mine. I don't really, from the north side. And it's like, oh, it's fucking. I'm magic. Yeah, I'm magic me. Uh, it's it's i get it but i don't and the same way it's like oh i'm gonna do bullseye okay okay how are you gonna do bullseye 
well, I see him as a bit of a tough guy, kind of. I, I'm, I'm totally do it like this, you know. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm bullseye. I'm going to fucking have you. I'm, I'm doing a bit of like a statham kind of thing. It's like, yeah, why are you doing that? Well, because if I want to think of someone who's going to be quite tough, but also from the streets, I think of this voice. It's like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but the difference is <laughs> somebody saying, don't do that. And it's interesting how these things translate because it does come down to personal effect. So, for example, and this is something we see in like anything that's in a foreign language that's translated on the subtitles or dubbed. And it's when they say, it's say, for example, it's someone in, in, in a South Korean show and they want to highlight, oh, again, I'm not going to do it, but I can hear the North Korean. I can hear the difference between North and Southern Korean accents because there's a huge difference in the inflections. I can also hear the difference between um, a sort of more Busan style, Southern country style accent to a Seoul style Northern accent, as in North of the South, as it were, the middle. I can hear the difference in a way sometimes, but when it's translated at the bottom of the page in, 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 in subtitles, you sometimes get flat text, other times you get flavor text where it will try and give you an accent. And it'll be interesting, they'll say things like, y'all. I'm like, <laughs> an American translated this, didn't they? Because um, <clears throat> you're trying to show like, you know, how do you show this is a rural, rural place? A yeah, this is a collo colloquial term. So they say yeah. y'all. And you're like, mm. Yeah, anime's fucking rife with that shit. And whenever you get like someone doing an accent uh, in a dub, it's like, oh, they're they're from this part of the country and like okay well we'll do the same thing for us and like wh wh why what would you body mean for our equivalent for the british equivalent it's one of the reasons why all the hobbits have west country accents because it makes them sound yeah. like simple folk who just go outside and don't want to be bothered by nobody and they just want to be just an honest farmer honest. no shoes on yeah i don't have shoes my fairy feet stick them on the table it's like yeah, I don't want that. Um, but it makes sense. And we immediately, as British people, tend to go, oh, okay. And over time, Americans and international viewers have also started to grow that ear. So if you're like, how do I talk about somebody who is, you know, a really laid back, calm, kind of unassuming, nice, friendly person who's mostly outside and has only just discovered the invention of the belt? And it's like, well, there you go. That's how you do it. That. It's like, how do I get someone who's disgruntled and doesn't really like what's going on in the world and hasn't and feels like I've really been put out by everyone else and is kind of just mopey about it? So like, give them a northern accent. And <laughs> Americans know this now because of the Starks in Game of Thrones. And it's one of those things where, I know it's television rather than film, but it's the kind of thing where you kind of get used to, end of it all over the place, but it used to this idea of like, oh, I'm really put out and I'm really feeling quite annoyed with everybody around me. We're, so, we're working class and we're fight for the people. And oh, hello, we, we, we live in the Red Keep and we all talk like this, even yeah, though yeah. almost none of the people who played any of the those people are actually <laughs> English. You've got a Dane, an Aussie uh, and an American in the three, <laughs> the three main Lannisters. And then, oh, their dad's Charles Dance. That's why they all talk like that. <laughs> because Charles Dance talks like... Charles Dance played Tywin Lannister. And then you have yeah. Yeah, the rest of them. Interestingly enough, and I found this fascinating, and I, it, I read that it, it was actually a conscious decision, the audiobooks for Game of, the Game of Thrones stuff on Audible have the South and Southern and Northern accents swapped round. Really? Yes. So it's the King and the North and hello, I'm a Lannister and all that kind of stuff. It is fascinating and weird wow. and, give, and gives it such a different feel because you're so used to hello, Jon Snow. 
I'm from up north. I'm from yeah. north of the wall. You're a bastard and all that kind of stuff. And like, and, oh, hello, Jon Snow. Welcome to the wall. You're a bastard. It's like, and given that it's so clearly based on Britain, mm. like that's such a weird it, choice to so make. So much of it is yeah. literally the the former civil the, the war of the roses the north south yeah. civil war that yeah. we literally had yeah. in this country it's like wow yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of backstabbing and incest and stuff it's like yeah that's what happened yep yep welcome to england <laughs> yes we built we built a, a a wall to keep out the people from the terrifying icy wasteland aka scotland <laughs> yeah. also known as scotland exactly yeah and yeah. that's that's kind of the the, the point here it's it's the idea that the accent sets so much, but also most importantly, and this was going back to earlier when we were talking about newscasters and people around the world and foreign exchange students, etc. We learn it from films. So we learn it wrong, basically. Because when actors <laughs> talk, they don't necessarily always do their own voice. They do an impression of where they're from, whatever. Because they're acting, dear. You can't win, Charles. It's like... You shall not pass McKellen. It's like, I mean, yeah, he's a, he might talk like that normally when he's like, I would like for a spot of tea. But let's face it, most people don't fucking talk like that in terms of like, yeah. yeah and so These are literal thespians and Shakespearean actors and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that leads you to this point of like, you will be immortalized through impressions. You will get yourself like, oh, uh, it, it, it's a classic i mean if you think of like fucking saving private ryan where the uh the german soldier is digging the his own grave and he's like oh uh uh, uh oh say can you see uh buddy boop what a gal and he's just like trying to just reave off anything i always think there's a great idea as a joke where he says do you remember the other version where there's an american saying like uh uh ich liebe hitler <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> deutschland deutschland it's, it's got, yeah but the point is you get bits of things so if you ever listen to interviews with actors that's always fascinating if you listen to an interview with gary oldman that's mm. amazing he he does a different voice for every film he's on and that's how he gets into his character and i i get that performance i get the idea that i can't do my own voice because if i speak normally that's just me that doesn't feel that, real that, that's how i feel when i do yeah. stuff like i remember and i'm not harping on me like oh i'm such an actor because <laughs> i'm fucking terrible you're drawing but, from your experience yeah um when you and i first talked about me joining super happy kill time your web series i touched on earlier i do a northern irish accent in that show and i was like i do an impression of toothless as well <laughs> hello toothless i do a northern irish accent for that character and my and my first question to you was like can i do a voice is that all right and you were like <laughs> yeah sure what do you want to do i was like i don't know I can do a few different ones. And we literally had a Facebook Messenger conversation where That's I basically right, yeah. auditioned accents at you over like holding my phone up, being like, uh, hello, Matthew, this is me talking with my very English accent. And be like, Jack, no, not that one. Pick another one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I could do sort of a Germany kind of thing. No, no, no. Pick another one. It's like, okay, okay. And we eventually settled on the Northern Irish thing, which is weirdly something I've been... I. But I seem to be particularly good at. Hmm. Um, and I felt that way. Like I straight away, it was my almost my first question was like, not like, what's the character like? Who am I gonna be on set with? Yeah, like, yeah. can I do a voice? Because I feel more comfortable and more in character doing a voice than I do just being like, Hello, this is me acting. Um 
I sound exactly like I do on the podcast. So <laughs> everyone's just going to know it's me and it's real weird. And I, I almost like, again, I'm not comparing myself to Gary Oldman. <laughs> Don't get carried away. <laughs> but the, I, because I, of my lack of experience with acting, that was my first time properly on camera acting. I was like, I'm so used to doing voices as part of my acting experiences. I need this to get into character. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if I can just act with my normal voice. This is going to be really weird. So I needed that nudge to be like, there you go. Pretend you're someone else. Do a silly voice. Yeah. And that's key to acting, pretending you're someone else and making it feel real. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked about this recently. I can't remember if it was on our podcast. I might have mentioned it on the Unequal Sequel podcast. That's a little plug. Go listen to Unequal <laughs> Sequel, especially the episodes uh, Matt and I are on. Um, I, I'm i so happy that Bradley Cooper did a an accent oh, for Yeah, Rocket this is Unequal Sequel. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it's not just Bradley Cooper as a raccoon, because I find Detective Pikachu... Almost impossible to watch. I remember you because, talking about this. Because it's just Deadpool. Well, that, because, yeah. because Ryan, Ryan as we Reynolds. know, Ryan Reynolds stars as Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. And it's just his voice. Yeah, he doesn't... I mean, he he always plays himself, it seems. But, you know, his, his Deadpool voice is exactly the same as his Pikachu voice. And you've got what two characters... What a char- sentence that sentence is. Yeah. And you've got two characters where you're not often seeing their you know, the, the the actor's face, so to speak. And so, yeah, I, I can't, I, I found Detective Pikachu almost impossible to watch because I was just like, it's, I can't, it, it's lodged in my head as Deadpool. And because you're getting no other kind of acting feedback from it, it's, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you another couple of examples. Like, so that's a good example because Bradley Cooper, like, oh yeah, very funny. Ha 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 ha. Oh, it's real. That kind of like, he's doing the Sean Gunn mm. impression, but he's also putting his own accent in there as well because Bradley Cooper does impressions and accents and stuff. Similarly, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people like Cliff Curtis and Alfred Molina and my God, those men are lost. If you say to me like, oh, here's a performance. Who do you think it is? And it's either a voice performance or even a physical performance. You're like, I don't fucking know. It's Cliff Guys. Fuck off. The New Zealander. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because he will play so many fucking ethnicities and uh, character types and people from different backgrounds and all manner of stuff and plays it in a largely inoffensive way very well. Same with Alfred Molina. He will be able to pull off a lot of things. And also when you have like his voice appearing in, as just in, you know, voiceover only stuff it's like holy shit this is crazy and or even what jack was saying earlier about um john dimaggio sometimes you could hear the inflection like i hear you can hear steve bloom you can hear okay why have they chosen angelina jolie to play uh tigress in 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 uh the kung fu panda films i mean what what is she bringing to that what does seth rogan bring he brings seth rogan that's what he brings there's nothing there um, and that's not saying he doesn't do a good performance. That's just saying he's not trying to be someone else. Where there's so many mm. impressions of like, but weird, weirdly enough, of all things, uh, in Despicable Me, um, just to bring it back, not not a, Steve. A Gar- few seasons ago, yeah, wow. we're not talking talk about Steve Gruel specifically. Oh, thank unfortunately, God. Um, with his "I am Gruel" um, and all that. The girls. The go- The girls. <laughs> Which again, I don't know what that accent is. <laughs> I so. 
I can't say the word girls <laughs> without thinking of that now, thanks to that fucking podcast episode we did. <laughs> Gordos. Whereas um, El Macho, played by Benjamin Bratt, it's when you say, oh, it's Benjamin Bratt. You're like, fuck off. Mm. It's like, do you know Benjamin Bratt? It's like, yeah, no, I know Benjamin Bratt. It's been like Dem- Demolition Man and, and, and like uh, Miss Congeniality and stuff like that. He's, he's, he's in Doctor Strange and stuff. He's great. It's like, yeah. He's the he's the bad guy in Despicable Me too. Yeah, I can't hear that at all. So I do the really annoying thing where I really have an ear for this kind of stuff, mm. and I can pluck out voice actors in in a background <gasps> scene and be like, "Steve Bloom." Oh yeah, yeah. And basically, while Emma is watching something, or especially when she's playing video games, because again, that's that's definitely my forte as well. Yeah, I'll be like, "Oh, that shopkeeper is." That's that's Nolan North. You'd be like, who's Nolan North? It's that's, Jennifer that's, Hale. That's, that's Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Like, oh shit, okay. Like, yeah, Jennifer Hale, and she'll stare at me blankly. Like, that that's female Shepherd from Mass Effect. Like, oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, ringing off these names of like that background character. Oh shit, what was his name? He played that character in. He was in that anime once. What was his name? Oh, it's that guy. I'm like, I'll look it up. Like, it is that guy. Yeah, I've I've, <laughs> I've, I've nailed it again, kind of thing. Um. But I think talking about like voice acting is a whole other thing. And you talk about people with these iconic voices and then you get people who are doing outside of accents, people doing like animals and sound effects and stuff. People like Frank Frank Welker. Welker. Yeah, exactly. We talked about him (laughs) in the, the Transformers episode we did because he has such a distinctive voice and the way he does all the kind of robotic kind of noises and all that kind of stuff he is one of the icons of voice acting because he basically did all of that stuff before anyone else he was the first guy who really made that stuff popular and defined so many inspired so many voice actors after him just so you know frank welker not only plays like you know like megatron and oh what an iconic role he plays the fucking monkey in raiders of the lost ark as well as the fucking monkey in aladdin as well as cujo the dog in cujo it's insane if if there's an animal that makes noises like like um the one in aladdin that's just like making little noises and stuff Mm. probably frank welker just just my favorite one for him is he plays Nibbler in Futurama. Yes. Both the nonsensical, yes. like, yes. And noises. And hello, also, Leela, I'm hello, from my room. <laughs> <laughs> I must go to my Your home primitive brains now. could not understand it. Yes. It, it, like, that's I both of those are Frank matter. Wilker. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, who'd you get for the second one? I was like, no, it's him again. That's still him. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play the Patrick Stewart acting. Acting. Right acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you know you could do difference. I mean, there's an interesting talk about how you get into characters. Jack talked about voices just now with the, the Gary Oldman stuff and his own experience and things. Um, Thank and you for comparing me to Gary Oldman there, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. And Frank Welker again doing the whole, like, well, I'm just going to flip back and forth so easily. Some people need to stop. And we mentioned Margot Robbie earlier. And a Harley Quinn voice is almost exactly the same as a Wolf of Wall Street voice. And people said about how, oh my God, this Australian's got this perfect sort of almost Jersey, New York style accent. So yeah, cool, cool. And there was talk about her dialect coach and how she was getting into her character. She said, okay, I want you to close your eyes and imagine you're having your nails done. It's really hot. You're, you know, you've been there a long time. You kind of want to go. 
You just need to relax. And all, all, apparently all, all this stuff, just the setting in her mind, her seeing that and her talking to her the next, she's able to mirror it back. So when she needs to get into there, obviously she's done it so much now as Harley Quinn and everyone else and so on and so forth. It's just, an, you know, it comes back quite quickly. It's almost like a, a knee-jerk response. She's got the things she can pull on quite quickly. But to get there to start with, is the hardest moment it's it's that it's, it's like memory techniques and stuff yes like that, very much it? so yeah Those little things that allow you to turn that switch and I, I can't remember who it is i'm sure you're about to tell me who it is somebody said is it de niro it might be de niro mm. uh, no it might it's anthony hopkins i think it's anthony hopkins who says method acting isn't acting because you're not acting you're just oh. <laughs> you're just living as another person yeah. like <laughs> the fact that you can't just turn it off and be like Oh, now I'm off to go see my wife and kids. See you later, guys. And you come back on. Whereas Daniel Day Lewis is living as Abraham Lincoln for nine months and hasn't turned a light switch on like the entire time or eaten anything, you know, yeah. made any processed food in six months, all this kind of crazy <laughs> shit. And it's like, is that acting? Are you just becoming the other person? And I was like, that is a fascinating question from one of the most celebrated and awarded actors of all time to be like, I don't know if that counts. Just drop the mic and be like, wow, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Hopkins is another example. He's also Welsh, by the way, if you haven't heard him with his native voice. <laughs> but you might not know that because you know him as Hannibal. You know him from all these like powerful, epic performances and all this kind of stuff. And then you hear him speak, I think... I'm pretty sure he speaks Welsh as well. He actually speaks the language, which is even quite unusual in modern day Wales. Mm. That is a language that is very unfortunately dying out because the younger generations are not being taught it or, you know, being mm. resistant to learning it or whatever it is. And I know a, I know a couple of my friends who speak Welsh and they, who I met at university and they are very, very proud of the fact that they are bilingual. And it's like, cool. I mean, colonial oppression 101 is to restrict the flow of language and instigate your own because then it means you have no heritage, you have no history. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's exactly. Yeah. And, but exactly. that also means that then there are fierce defenders of it and those who will do their best to try and bring it back. But it is hard. And that's before we discuss even things like, um, let's face it, really shit accents. Like let's, <laughs> let's talk about some bad ones. Yeah, I mean, there, and again, it's not. I don't think it's even to do with literally having the ear for it. Like we said, oh well, you're only really worrying about it if you don't, uh, if if you know it really well. It's like, nah, I can hear that John Wayne is not doing a Mongol accent in The Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just John Wayne being John Wayne, and I don't like yeah. any of what's happening on screen. Um, but even like like Keanu Reeves and Dracula, I know where the <laughs> bastard oh my sleeps. God. <laughs> um, he's trying he's doing his thing he's not doing, he's doing very well he's doing something yeah i guess don't like it i think one of the one of the people who i'm I, I hate how much i enjoy their films and how great they are in a bunch of movies and they try and do an accent and i'm like thank god you have something that you can't do Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, Cruise, yeah. yeah. Fuck me. Tom Cruise. I hate how much I en I enjoy Mission Impossible movies and stuff because he seems like a real nutter, like a real serious nut job Scientologist fucking weirdo. But he makes some brilliant movies and he does some amazing performances. And I'm like, oh god, I don't want to like him, but I kind of have to. And then you mentioned it before, Matt. 
in a previous episode, I think, far and away, where he's like, oh, he- hello, I am... Do you like um, my hat? Do you, do you, that's way too good. That's Your sorry, yeah, is, sorry. You, you <laughs> can't even un-Irish yourself to make yourself Tom Cruise enough that you can't do the yeah, Irish accent. I'd, I'd have to do a Tom Cruise impression first. It, it's him and Nicole Kidman in like a race to the bottom in that film. <laughs> it, really is. it really go. is. Yeah, that's true. It's like, it's like, why would you pick like an Australian and an American to play two Irish people? To sell your fucking movie. Bank. Well, well yeah. Quite. And then you, you take something that a lot of people hate and a lot of people love, which is Brad Pitt's accent in mm. Snatch, which is this indecipherable... Irish pikey accent that he had a really like serious dialect program with a coach to go through and learn how to speak all this stuff and most of it's indecipherable anyway so I'm like did you need to bother you just kind <laughs> of it, it as it, I'm not saying like I'm being ignorant to it it's purposefully indecipherable and, and unintelligible like when they all start speaking at the same time, it's to, it, they, it's a method to throw you off so they can yeah, yeah. and and they do the like Austin Powers thing of like shat on a turtle, he does like periwinkle blue and like spins off and like you'll hear catch two or three words at a time, and they that is the whole point of that scene is that you're in the shoes of the English guys trying to understand what the fuck he's saying, and then he's making some very like life or death demands of them of like if you don't do this you will die make sure you write this down you get it all right and then lists off all this crazy shit and this incredibly thick accent and and most people are like oh man i love brad pitt and snatch and you know, he's one punch he's just amazing the, the performance is brilliant and all this kind of stuff like and then a lot of people are like that accent's a bit mental though isn't it like he could have is it good you i don't know what it's supposed to sound like so i have no way of judging like i there is no frame of reference for me i've never met people who speak with that accent like could be spot on i have no idea but then i knew quite a quite a few people in that community ended up being quite offended by it so it's like okay yeah (laughs) it's clearly very divisive i feel like in the balance it probably comes out better than his uh, Jamaican accent in Meet Joe Black. Yep. Oh my god! Just that, that, spitting some patois. <laughs> that scene makes me crawl. Oh, makes my crawl skin crawl every time. Yeah. I forget it exists, and then every I, now when, and then it comes back around. Yeah, uh, I had completely oh, forgotten oh. it, and then I saw a clip on Twitter, and I was like, "That's got to be redubbed, hasn't it?" And then I tracked down the original thing. I was I like, had "Oh no!" The exact same experience. Like, I haven't seen Meet Joe Black in ages. Is it really that bad? I don't remember it being that bad. I probably saw it when I was like a teenager or whatever. I haven't seen it in yeah. 10, 15 years. It can't be. Well, that's. Is that really the. Jesus Christ, is that real? Oh my God, that is the real. Fucking hell, that is real. Jesus Christ. Again, it, it's so weird because Pitt is an example where it's like, what the fuck are we weird for? It's like, oh no, okay. Yeah, I see where he's going with this. And then in this a couple of years, you know, in proximity beforehand, he was doing The Devil's Own, where he's doing an Irish accent, and seven years in Tibet, where he's doing a German accent, kind of. Mm. And then 
it just bounces all over the place and it never strikes. Some some of his accents are fucking great in certain things, but they're more inflection. And then you get individuals like um, Benicio del Toro, uh, an exceptionally talented actor. I think we all agree. But in The Usual Suspects and in The Last Jedi, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> the Usual Suspects one, if I remember correctly, is him doing it on purpose. He's doing purpose, yeah. Because he in 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 the lineup, the the incredibly famous lineup scene, mm. he's like farting and stuff and making everybody laugh, and <laughs> it ends up being the take that they use is one of the ones where they break and stuff like that. And it was supposed to be real deadly serious, and he just came in, did this really fucking stupid voice, mm. and everyone's like, "Oh no, it's it's oh, literally oh, like I didn't know he was going to do that." Yeah, and I'm like, hearing this for the first time. Oh god, <laughs> he's just like. Get, get me the keys, cocksucker. What, what the fuck? What, what do you want from me? Oh, what's, oh sorry? Fucking Marvin. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't, what, is it supposed to be something? Because it sounds like nothing. And there are times when you think to yourself, again, being drawn in, where you're so focused on that that you forget something else. So, for example, Periwinkle Blue. Make sure they're there, boys. You get that right. You forget that Stephen Graham op- acting opposite him where he goes, Dags, oh yeah, I like dogs. He's from fucking Lancashire. He's from Merseyside. He's got this fucking Liverpool sort of accent. Like that's, that's yeah, his... Stephen Graham's proper scout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's doing a great London accent, so you don't notice it. And Pitt stands out. When well, the same way, you've got Benito del Toro in New Suspects going, oh, bro, oh, bro, oh, like he said, fucking dental surgery. And then <laughs> you've got Gabriel Byrne, and you're like, oh yeah, Gabriel Byrne's Irish. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. it's it's one of the things that you don't really think about because you're so focused on what the fuck is that? It's the dead cat principle in politics. The idea if something's going bad, if you slap a dead cat on the table, everyone's going, "What the fuck is a there's a dead cat here?" And it's the whole like, ah, now you're talking about that and nothing else. It's like you act so weird that that's all you'll talk about. In the same way, it's like it was a weird performance, but it was memorable. I remember it. I guess we should give him an Oscar, that kind of thing. So that's when someone like <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis pulling center stage with his like, I've been living on a farm for 10 days perfecting this <laughs> accent. I won't change it. Or listen, darling, I'm, I'm playing a, a, a role of a, um, a fashion designer and I want to make sure it comes across like that. You don't understand. And it's like, okay, cool. You've been working on this whole thing, but everyone else sounds kind of, in inverted commas, kind of fucking normal. You sound like you're acting. And I don't dislike it because I think sometimes it's the best part about the movie. Like, fuck, that's so cool. Matt Damon in True Grit selling a Texan accent relatively well. Matt Damon in Invictus selling a South African accent quite fucking well. It's like his Boston accent all the fucking time. That kind of thing. I can't do it, but you know what I mean? And that's the point. (laughs) It draws you in so much. It's either a distraction, but unless you know what you're looking for, it's, yeah, accents are... In my opinion, to, to sort of almost summate in a weird way, accents are like stunt work or, oh. dan- or dance choreography. You can teach someone how to dance. You can teach someone to do some stunt fight choreography. But if it's not in their system, it will mm. look fine. I've, I, so um, one of the classes I did, they talked about, like I said, in learning to do different accents, like I said, if you can't, have a conversation on the phone and read a phone book in this accent, you haven't nailed the accent. Another one, another example they talked about is there are moments where you didn't know that had you had that in you and they 
that accent is like pulled out of you for whatever reason it gels with the way your voice happens to the the timbre and the sound of your voice happens to gel with this particular accent and you're suddenly like oh my god i can i can do a scottish accent i didn't know i could do that and you have this thing where almost like a really stereotypical like it was in you all along you were the chosen one <laughs> and they use that example of like it's almost you had this other voice in you and you didn't know it until you actually try it and you hear somebody else and you hear the way you can replicate it and stuff like that and i wonder like how many actors have that moment of like oh i didn't know i could do that or i've really fucking tried and i hate this but this is as close as i'm gonna get and <laughs> filming starts in two days i fucking i fucking give up this'll do or people like daniel day lewis or like don't speak to me unless you're acting like you're in the 1800s you're like oh okay. <laughs> yeah yeah that's fine dan yeah carry on mate that's fine have your candles I feel like if I suddenly discovered that there was an accent that I could do perfectly, like all my auditions would just be like, turns out I can do a perfect northern Swedish accent. So I feel like this character should be from the north of Sweden. Do you, do you know who you're <laughs> describing? Mike Myers. I'm going to oh, try it Scottish. Can I give it a Scottish go? <laughs> yeah, why not, Mike? Uh, ogres are like onions. Fucking hell, this is great. <laughs> so my my feeling about accents is they are akin to something like sound mixing. Most of the time it's invisible it should just be doing its uh, job yeah, yeah. lettering in comics is a perfect yes. example of this as well there are some occasions where someone will do something interesting and notable and really good and you'll be like fuck me that's great and then it will very quickly just become part of the experience of seeing the film and then there are times when it's fucked up and it's like the only thing you can notice yeah yeah entirely and again, yeah, like lettering in comic books is is very similar. Like sometimes you'll get like clever innovations and like stuff that I've seen recently is where uh, when characters are speaking in foreign languages, they'll do it in a different color. And it's like, yes. oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. genius. That's such a, a better way than like sticking brackets around it in a little note somewhere that says like translated from, you know, Japanese or whatever. Or alternatively, it just um, speaks in Russian. You're like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, that's so clever. And then it just becomes part of your experience of reading that mm. comic. And then you'll have experiences where you'll read a comic and it's like, motherfucker, they, they lettered this in just Times New Roman. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> comic that's sans. the. Uh, that's the uh, comic adaptation, the graphic novel of Twilight. Oh, uh, God way, damn. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's lettered in Times New Roman and it's That's ugly as sin. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I think accents are like that, where if most of the time you just want a level of competence where you're not going to think about it. Occasionally someone will do something that really, and, it's, and that it tends to be, like we said, imitating a real person rather than especially for me, because I do not have the ear for them. I couldn't tell you, mm. like, oh, this person's doing a really great Scottish accent or, you know, rural Scottish accent. Mm. But I could tell you, you know, oh, that person really sounds like, you know, Idi Amin kind mm. of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and what's fascinating is that you talk about the ear, for example, hearing these things or not being able to hear it. And we talk about earlier about immersion and stuff. One would assume the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, oh, there I am. I'm, okay. It took me a while. Or Jazz Jack said, pulling it out of you or having a moment where you're like, ah, oh, if I say the word probing, I can get to a Welsh accent. I go, I can go from there as long as I say that word as a keyword. Mm -hmm. Some people have to have trigger words and keywords yeah, where exactly. you have to start off with um, 
particular things. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, there's uh, there's one for Michael Caine that a lot of people do. Michael Caine. Well, Ma- Ma- <laughs> Michael Caine Master is one Wayne. of them, yeah. Yeah. Tangerine. Particu- the size of a tangerine is, is Kevin Smith's one when he does his uh, Michael Caine, I think. Um, and it's like particular phrases you've heard that accent, as you said, done by real people, by other actors, by celebrities or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And like, oh, if I get into an Irish accent, I'm using this person as a template and I mm-hmm. know they say this thing. So if I say, like, for example, the when i was talking again going back to my voice acting classes and stuff talking about the northern irish accent i could do i i i really focus on the the way they pronounce owl in northern ireland the owl sound if you say how now brown cow in a northern irish accent <laughs> replace all of the owls with eyes and you just say hi nigh brian kai it sounds like <laughs> it true. sounds northern irish i didn't put an accent in there i just said hi nigh brian kai and like that's really weird, and it's mm. it's those little, like you said, Matt. Learning vowels is like the beginning of that accent. In learning, oh, the, you say this with a more open O, or the tongue further back in the mouth, or whatever it is, and just you have that moment where you're like, oh yeah, bloody hell, that does work. And I think so many actors ha- must have those little things of just like. Sitting in their trailers for and I'm like, hi no, Brian Kai. Hi no, Brian Kai. Right, <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm Northern Irish. <laughs> Something like burst out their trailers when it's like, you don't film for another three hours. Like, fuck. Um, <laughs> I'll just sit here, I guess. <laughs> you guys will know this from from fucking around before recording, but if I ever want to do my terrible Christopher Walken impression, I have to start with Google Dax. <laughs> Google Dax. <laughs> <laughs> I th- see this is this interesting thing because you get impressions and impersonations and they always have people like oh, 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 you're doing Arnie it's like no I'm not I'm just doing that awful fucking noise but we all associate it with Arnold Schwarzenegger um, and it's like is that, a, is that an Austrian accent and I remember that thing fascinating little clip about um, sorry fascinating little sort of tidbit of information about how Arnie wanted to dub himself in the German versions for the Terminator and they said no you fucking crazy a Terminator can't sound like a fucking farmer because the Austrian accent to German. Austrian accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it sounds like it's, it's, it's like you know, like a New Zealand accent to an uh, to Australian or a you know a Celtic accent to a to an English person. It's like no, that's not going to work. You know, give me you your like, clothes, you like having... your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be mm. like having Dave Prowse do his act, do the lines for Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, precisely. You're a traitor with the Rebel Alliance. You're a spy for the Rebel Alliance. You're a traitor. Take her away. Yeah. Let's take two different examples. Jason mm. Statham in the film The One, it's a Jet Li movie, and okay. John Voight in Anaconda. Wow. <laughs> oh, I hope to be touched on John Voight. <laughs> <laughs> One is Jason Statham in a very early breakout sort of big American film for him, doing an American accent. It is amazing. It's so amazing. He's paired with Delroy Lindo, and it's they go off and they, they do their stuff, and he's trying to track down some Jet Lees, plural. Um, mm. And it's a dimension hopping. Actually, uh, actually, the the plural mat is Jet Lee. Jet Lee, sorry, yes, Court Martial Jet Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and he has an American accent. It is amazing because when he says the word "sir," he can't figure out how to do it. That's why Jason Statham was like, oh, "I'm Jason Statham." There's a reason he does that. And it's because, like, the whole, like, you know, is he, like, a... I mean, you know, like, the stunt work or the choreography kind of thing, because it's, like, 
Stifem, can you just say, sir, sir, sir? Sewer. <laughs> mm. Let's give it one more go. Sewer. I don't, I don't do this, sewer. It's like, and on the other side of things, you got like, I'm John Void, Anaconda. And it's like, here, he comes at you like a snake. What's this supposed to be? <laughs> Paraguay. Is it? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Crush every bone in your body. Yes, gonna cut your face off. You gonna sound like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah, and it's the whole point. It's like have, I don't, I don't think I actually could tell you what a Paraguayan accent sounds like. I know it's not that, and yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> all I know is it ain't fucking that. Yeah. John Voight, smile at you. Um, that's the point. Filming schedules are months long. After months and months and months, there's not a single scene where you go, oh, you know, there's that one. So it's wrong for like literally all the time. It never gets <laughs> it's, better. It's the opposite of Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. Like I said, I keep referencing him like living as Abraham Lincoln and, and living as, as um, you know, like Gangs of New York and stuff. And yeah. Being like, he will not get out of that accent. No. He will be no. in that accent in and in that character. Yeah. I know that is really common for people who are on a long time, especially people who do like TV shoots and stuff. Um, and there is a really good example of this in uh, in Line of Duty, where one of the main characters is uh, an Essex detective. And I had no idea that the actor who plays in Martin Compton is as Scottish as the day <laughs> is long. Because his Essex accent is fantastic and to be fair it's not like a particular Essex accent he seems to have just gone for that kind of estuary kind of English kind of that kind of area of the country so he completely gets away with it I was like I've never heard any of the cast interviewed I'll have, I'll, I'll look them up and stuff it's quite a diverse cast in terms of different people from different parts of the UK and all and there's people of color and all that stuff I was like I wonder what they're like behind the scenes it's not a lot of fun and he stays in accent while he's on set even while he's not filming. Yeah. Because he says, it's it's harder for me to come back out into my native Scottish and then flick back into the, the character because they're so different. And he's like real fucking Scottish, not just a little like, oh, he's got the kind of softer, easier to understand Scottish accents. He's from like in the middle of fucking nowhere, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he's from the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And... You can really tell. And I was like, oh my God, is that his real... I had literally had a taken aback, like, is that his real voice? Oh my God, I can't believe it. I've gotten so used to hearing him with this English accent. I didn't even question it. And not having any other frame of reference for him really helped me kind of get lost in the character and stuff. And pretty much everyone else, funny enough, Stephen Graham is on somewhere playing a scouser. Um pretty much has their own native accents. And then suddenly this Scottish guy just nails this English accent. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And then he, yeah, as I said, he specifically said, I have to stay in character because it is such an effort for me to go back and forth. If we're filming for three or four days at a time, when, even when I'm in the hotel, I'm ordering food in the evening, I'm still in my English accent because... I can't be asked. I was like, that's really interesting. It's almost the Daniel Day Lewis, but not taking it too far. Well, it's it's not too far off what we're doing. Okay, okay. Just as caveat here. 
for people who've been like literally listening to this entire episode going, fuck me, guys, you are, you can't talk. You've been doing terrible accents from the start. It's like, yeah, because when we do it off the cuff as part of a sentence, it throws you. You need to be in that role, in that mindset, living that accent for a little while, at least if like a couple of minutes before the take starts. To flick back and forth like that, as we mentioned earlier, it's a real skill, a very much a keen talent to be able to do that unless you are so ingrained in your consciousness because it's part of you as a person. Um, Michael Fassbender talking German with this... Sorry, Michael Fassbender with an English accent in Inglorious Bastards then talking German with what I can assume is a sort of English-slash-Irish accent. <clears throat> then talk about the nature of pitch... Accent, like, oh, it's from Pitzpalu. That kind of stuff. You're like, that's fascinating because the story is... The, it's making you think about his accent and how it doesn't sound like the other Germans there. It's almost instructing you. She has an, uh, a Saxony German accent. He's got more of a Frankfurt accent. Do you hear the difference in how they're pronouncing these things? It's make it's almost educating your ass. Just just to go back to to Jack's point about the kind of living in the accent type thing. Mm. And I think I I think I read that like Tom Holland does the same when he's being Spider Man. He he's, does. Yeah. He's he's just American all the time. Yep. yep. I do wonder if there's. I think he's, he said there was a bodyguard he had, or like one of his security guys, mm. who thought he was American because he'd only yeah. ever met him on the set of Spider Man. He's like, "Oh, hey, I'm Dave. I'm your bodyguard." And he's like, "Hey, I'm Tom. I'm gonna be." <laughs> I'm. And he's like, "Cool." He had no idea. And then when they finished filming, he's like, "God bloody hell! I can't wait to go back to London." And he's like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me wonder if there's performances where we would think of them as like, oh, that person's got a really inconsistent accent. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And wonder if it's just that that particular actor got better and better over the course of filming, yeah, but it was filmed because most films tend to be filmed out of order. Um, it then ends up with a performance where you're like, he's so good in the first scene. Why is he like the oh, next third really of the film? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's film schedule reflection on reality of the narrative mm. flow, yeah. I think that ties in really well with the thing a lot of actors speak about is preparation. And for this sort of stuff, to to really nail an accent, to really transform yourself into whether it's directly referencing a person or completely changing the way you speak, they're like, how much preparation do you need? It's like six to nine months beforehand. And as you touched on earlier, Tim, scripts change like on the day. I'm like, well, how the fuck do you prepare for that? There's this crazy thing and just this ability to to absorb this accent over this long period of time working with dialect coach and 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 language you know native speakers and all this kind of stuff is a fascinating part of the industry that i don't think is particularly talked about enough and it's kind of why we wanted to do this episode we wanted to kind of highlight how you know if if you don't know this is partly how it works and good examples bad examples weird examples and then us doing a bunch of terrible accents ourselves to, to <laughs> yeah. humiliate ourselves for your entertainment. Because <laughs> if that isn't what we do on sequelizers, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on that note, that pretty much wraps us up for this week. You can follow us on all the social medias we are sequelizers, as you already know. You can go to sequelizers.com. There's the link for the Patreon, the link for the shop, the link for the all the podcast platforms, the Spotify's, the Apple podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And of course, a link to us. You can find our little bios and our little descriptions and our own little social medias on the about page as well. I am JLW Chambers on all the social medias. Matt, 
How can people find you on social media? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the very right hand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things I make. Tim! Tim, you have a very unique, singular accent, I feel. Uh, it is a, there's an inflection I cannot impersonate with you. Um, if people wanted to get some tips and hints on how to sound like you, where could they hit you up? Um, I, I would say just kind of take Kermit the Frog and then like maybe just a little bit <laughs> kind of a uh, little bit of uh, sexier anesthesia. Oh. Yeah. And, and then sex it up. Uh, but yes, sexy can... drugged up frog. Got it. Yes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me trivia underscore lad on Twitter, which is where I post my nonsense. Uh, and that's the best place to follow me and anything that I'm interesting that I'm doing at the moment. If your Twitter bio isn't changed to sexy drugged up frog by the time people go and visit your Twitter bio, Tim, <laughs> you're doing something wrong with your life. That's all I'm saying. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us and listening to us do terrible fucking accents for two hours. Uh, we have the next episode in the interseason break is something, I always say this, a little bit different. And is in fact, if you've been on Patreon and you know, this is the Patreon voted episode. Get excited, patrons. You know what's coming. And if you're not a patron, get excited because it's a really interesting topic. And I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. And until then, thanks so much for listening. Oscar winning. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>